Anybody want to take a guess who we're going to talk about today? Frenchie, lead us in prayer, will you, buddy? Thank you, Jim. We'll be in Colossians again as we have been looking through that. As we have beginning to take a deep dive into Colossians. Some of the uh, most powerful verses uh, in, in the whole Bible are in Colossians, basically starting with verse 12 through 23. So thank you, Jerry. Appreciate that. Turn the lights out. I'm not quite done yet, buddy. <laughs> Even though the music service was good enough to call it quits right then. I guess we still have to do this. You know, buying books and sending them to school and he still struggles with which knob to turn. All right. <laughs> Love you, Jerry. <laughs> if you remember when we started Colossians, we were talking about... Uh, uh, this church, this this great church, but the church had uh, begun to allow uh, false teachings into the church, uh, false teachings slash heresies, things that should not be taught in 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 in, in a God believing church. And we talked about a lot of things, but a couple of things that I think we need to bring attention to today and, and remind you basically because we're going to talk about some of this stuff today was they were allowing uh, this heresy to come in that, uh, that, that said that Jesus was, was not the mediator between God and man, that angels and other people could be that mediator, but it just wasn't Jesus. They were saying that Jesus really did not come in, in bodily form, that he really wasn't man here on this earth, but he was just a spirit. And when people talk about him coming in human form, uh, that wasn't correct, and that's getting into their church. They said, you know, Jesus, there's no way Jesus could have been a, a God or be the God because God would never suffer and God would never die. So, no. But then probably the biggest thing that really affected that church and affects a lot of churches today was they said that Jesus was not enough for salvation. That salvation was Jesus plus Jesus plus baptism, uh, tithing, going to church, Jesus plus uh, anything that you want to make it. That you had to have Jesus, yes, but it also had to have something else. And that is just uh, complete heresy. That's complete fallenness. That, that's, 
that comes from the pits of hell. I can tell you that right now. If you think that Jesus is not enough for our salvation, you got a wrong thought right there. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him. You don't need anything else. Jesus is sufficient. Today we see in, in, in a lot of churches today, we see the same kind of heresies. They might have a different kind of a name, but it's the same kind of, of garbage. Some people say that if I work hard and I have enough smartness, then, then I am good with God. Some people say if I have unity with God, or like they used to say in quotation marks, one with God, that is my road to heaven. Uh, no. Some people say the afterlife is, is what I want to make it. Some people say that there is no afterlife, that this is all there is. So let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And how many people do you know have that kind of an attitude? Many folks have that. Many folks would say, I believe I can be good enough to get into heaven, that I've done enough good. That if my good outweighs my bad, then he's gonna he's gonna let me in. No, that's that's uh, that's heresy. Also, many will say there's many ways to heaven. Many ways to heaven. We hear that our celebrities, Hollywood celebrities, would tell you, yeah, there's many ways to get to heaven. People will say, hey, follow this guy. Follow Buddha, follow Muhammad, Confucius, the Dalai Lama, follow him, and they will point you to heaven. The only problem with those guys is what? They are dead. They are decaying in heaven. They are decaying in their grave. And I can tell you their soul is in Hades right now. That's where they're at. But you see, my Savior, Jesus, is alive and well, is he not? He came out of that grave three days after his crucifixion. And the Bible says he sits at the right hand of the Father. Who would not want to worship the Savior who did that for you? I can't imagine who would not want to do that. The false teachings that I have just spoke about and the ones that Paul had to deal with uh, challenge Jesus, who Jesus is. Challenge his work and challenge who Jesus really is. But Apostle Paul will tell you that, you know, how do you combat falseness? How do you combat those kind of heresies that were coming into that church? You combat them with truth, the truth of God's Word. You don't water it down. You don't uh, soft soap it. You speak truth. The only way to defeat heresies. Because where does those heresies come from? From the pits of hell. The enemy brings those in. Wants to, wants to weaken our Lord and weaken our Savior. And we just sung about how great He really is and what He's done for us. Let's not do that. Last week, we talked about what God has done for man uh, through Jesus. I want to just remind you of that. If you remember that we talked about that because we have been born again and what Christ did on the cross, we share in His eternal inheritance. And that's good stuff. Because the eternal inheritance means that we will be with Him forever and forever in a place known as heaven, which is a place of perfection. We also talked about that, that God, through Jesus, 
uh, took us out of the domain of darkness. Took us out of sin and the punishment of sin. Took us out of judgment. Took us out of a life that was heading straight for hell. And because we accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, because of what he did on the cross, he pulled us, he rescued us from, from that path of eternity. And he pulled us into his kingdom. That's an amen, if I've ever heard one. And then, of course, we talked about his great, great forgiveness. His redemption on the cross, shedding his blood. That's what God has done through Jesus for you and I. Today we're going to look at Jesus and who he is. The first part of uh, Paul's great message that he has here beginning in verse 15. We're going to look at him today and we'll look at him next week too. Let's see what Paul has to say. And I think Paul is, is trying to tell this church, why would you ever want to deviate from, from trusting and loving on Jesus, why do you want to add anything to the gospel message? Why would you ever do that? So he brings this strong argument about who Jesus is. So uh, let's see what he has to say. We'll begin in verse 15 of chapter 1. And he says this, talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invincible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. That's who Jesus is. That word image means an exact representation, an exact likeness. It is a perfect picture of who someone is. And he says that's, that's who Jesus is. He is the image of the invincible God. When we, when we see Jesus, are we not seeing God himself? God in the form of human, humanity is Jesus. God is invisible. We've, no one has ever seen God, have they? But when Jesus walked on this earth, he revealed, he showed us, we have a picture of who God is. And Jesus is exactly like God because he is God. In John 14, in John 14, as, as Jesus is giving the disciples his last instructions before crucifixion, and Jesus is talking to them and and giving them a peck talk and trying to tell them this is what's going to happen uh, in, the, in the future. And, and, you know, let not your heart be troubled. Uh, you believe in God, you believe also in me. I mean, we know those verses. But a few verses later, uh, Jesus is going to talk about the, the relationship between himself and God the Father. And we see starting in verse 7 of, of John 14. He says, if you had known me, Jesus speaking, you would have known my father also. From now on, you will know him and have not seen him. And Philip, the, the, the disciples said, Lord, show us a father and it'll be enough. They wanted to know who, who God was, what a picture of God was. And Jesus says in verse 9, he says, have I been with you so long and yet you do not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I speak not on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. You see, Jesus is God here on this earth. 
Jesus is the perfect representation of a God that we cannot see with our own eyes, but we could have seen Jesus if we walked with him during that time. What, is it, what does Jesus say, tell us about God? What does he tell us about God? Here's a few things. The fact that Jesus came to the earth means that he alone is on, the only way to be acceptable to God. You understand what I'm saying? He is the only way that makes us acceptable to God because we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus came, he walked on the earth, and because he did that and because we accept him, we will now be acceptable to God forever and forever. Because Jesus walked on the earth, it shows that God is near. God is not a faraway God as we think sometimes in our minds, but God came in the form of Jesus to walk on this earth, to be near us, to understand because Jesus walked on this earth, he can relate to you and I. Did you know that? He understands because when we hurt, he hurt. When we cry, he has cried for us. When we are tempted, he was tempted to no end. When he struggled in life, he too had struggles. When, when things came crashing down on him and everybody wanted him dead, he understood what opposition was. Because Jesus came on this earth... We, he can relate to you and I. He can relate the struggles that we have. He can relate to the things that we're going through. And guess what? Because he can relate to that. He knows how we feel. He knows what's going on. And what is he going to do? He's going to provide those things that we need. We serve an awesome, awesome Savior. The fact that Jesus died at the hands of men shows how much he loves us and how much God the Father loved us. You see, on that, on that cross, on that Friday morning, you know, Jesus could have called down 10,000 angels to take him off that cross. He could have spoken the word and every person in the vicinity, in miles around, he could have zapped every one of them. He could have got every one of those guards. He could have taken him down off the cross and healed his hands and healed his, healed his feet and healed his side. But he didn't do that, did he? Why? Because he loves us so much. Because he knew the only way we would ever be able to spend time and eternity with him is if he went to the cross, shed his blood for us so that we could have forgiveness and we could have cleansing. The fact that he came and died at the hands of men shows how much he loved us. I mean, he could, have, he could have got off that cross and said, See you later, Sarah Nara, I'm out of here. Gone to heaven, sit on the right hand of the Father. But he didn't do that because he loves us so much. I, I don't know about you, but I am so thankful <laughs> that he didn't jump off that cross. I am so thankful. The fact that Jesus proclaimed salvation for all who will accept him shows that he is the Savior of the world. The fact that he proclaimed judgment over evil says that one day he, there is judgment coming for all of us and that he is a righteous judge and one day he will fulfill what needs to be fulfilled because we know, do we not, that every unbeliever who has not accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior will stand before Jesus one day at the great white throne judgment and they will stand naked without an attorney without any help, without anything to say when they give, it a, give an account of the way they lived. And that unbelieving person will be separated from holy God forever and forever. 
Depart from me, I never knew you, he will say. And they will be thrown into the lake of fire forever and forever and forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. All because they did not take the opportunity here on this earth to, to make Jesus Lord and Savior of their life. As Christians, we too will have a judgment. Our sins will not be judged. We'll be rewarded for the things that we've done in Jesus' name. I'd rather go to that judgment, which is known as the judgment seat of Christ, than the great white throne judgment. We serve a mighty Savior. God is not far from us. God cares for us. God knows what we're going through. And he wants to provide for us. Because of Jesus, we no longer had to have to grope around in this old world. We no longer have to, have to just find our way or wondering what's going on. Because of Jesus, what does he say? John 10, 10. I have come to give you life. I have come to give you an abundant life. If you just accept me as Lord and Savior. That's not, I don't know about you, but that's pretty good news. Even though life is hard, that's good news. Because of Jesus, we can have peace with God. Did you know that? And we can have the peace of God. Just because of what Jesus has done on that cross. What a great thing that, that we can see when we look at Jesus and we see him. We're seeing the exact image, representation of God the Father. When we, when we read in here and we see how the words that Jesus spoke, those are words from holy God. When we see Jesus, how he acts towards people, that's how God acts towards people. When we see him react to people, that's how God will react. When we see God loving, we see Jesus loving on people, that's what God loves. When we see Jesus forgiving people, that's a picture of holy God. When we see Jesus condemning evil and sin, that's a picture of holy God. You see, Jesus is the image, the exact representation of the invisible God. We don't have to wonder what God is like. We just look at Jesus and we see the God of the universe. I don't know about you, but that is a beautiful truth to know. The second thing that I want to look at today real quickly is in verse 15 also. And it says, he is the firstborn of creation. And that probably makes you scratch your head a little bit. I mean, he, was Jesus the first one born? That firstborn of creation is not the birth order. It, it, it speaks of a position of authority. It speaks of who Jesus really is. It, it, it speaks of that Jesus is preeminent. It speaks that Jesus, there's no nothing and no one greater than him. He is superior. He is superiority. There is nothing in creation that is more important, that is bigger than Jesus himself. John 1, 1 and 2 says it this way, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and that is Jesus. Jesus has always existed, even before creation, even before Genesis 1-1, Jesus was there. 
You see, he, he has always been there. And because he has always been there, because he is imminent, because he is superior, because he is none, there is none greater. God said I, in Matthew 28, 18, he said, I'm giving all authority to Jesus I'm on earth. I'm going to give him all authority. The Bible will tell us that Jesus created the world. He made a way for salvation to the world. And he rules the world. And one day, one day he will rule and reign here on this earth with nothing but, but perfection. There is none greater than Jesus in all of creation. And the thing about that is Satan sure don't like that, does he? <laughs> sure doesn't like that. Satan wants to be there. He wants to be number one on the hit parade. He wants to be ranked number one in the top ten. And he'll never be there, will he? Because Jesus is number one. None greater than that. We look at verse 16 here. Talking about who Jesus is. And in verse 16 we see. For by him all things, talking about Jesus, were created. All things created by Jesus. Both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. What does that verse say? Everything that has been created was created through him and by him. The moon, the sun, the stars, the planet, the light years way out there, the animals, the people, everything the Bible says has been created by, by Jesus for his benefit. John 1, 3 says it this way, just to emphasize that point. It says, all things came into being through him, Jesus. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Jesus created it all, did he not? I don't know about you, but that's powerful. And I got to reading this week in the book of Psalms. If Jesus created Everything, the universe, what's here, what's there, everywhere. It tells us who's going to praise him. In Psalm 148, I want to just let you know who's going to praise Jesus because he is the creator of all. It says in verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him, all his angels, all his hosts. Praise Him. The sun and the moon will praise the Lord. All stars of light. Praise Him. The highest heavens. The waters that are above the heavens. You mean we can control that? No. Let Him praise the name of the Lord. For He commanded and they were created. Verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth. Sea monsters and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and clouds. Stormy wind fulfilling the word. We can do that? No. Mountains and hills will praise the Lord. Fruit trees and cedars, praise the Lord. The beasts and all cattle will praise the Lord. Creeping things and winged fowl will praise the Lord. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and virgins, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name is above, is exalted. His glory is above the earth and the heaven. And in verse 14, and he has lifted up a horn for his people, praise for all his godly ones, even for the sons of Israel, a people near to him, praise 
the Lord. Everything my word says will praise Jesus because he is the creator. How, how do they praise the Lord? I, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to do it. But I believe what God's word says they're going to praise the Lord. And I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that every person on the face of the earth will praise the Lord. Every person in here, every person out there, one day will praise the Lord. And you say, well, I ain't going to do that. I just, I'm not going to do that. I don't believe in him. I'm not going to praise him. I don't have anything to do with him. Well, let me tell you something. Philippians 2.10 says this. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Someday every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and those on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The rocks and the hills cry out and praise Him. The trees cry out and praise Him. And someday, every person that's ever been born on the face of the earth, from Adam until whoever, one day will praise the Lord, even if they don't want to. I would give you a suggestion, and I give you something to think about. I would do it here, okay? I would do it while I'm living on this earth, praising Him. Because one day at the great white throne judgment, judgment for all unbelievers, they too will understand who Jesus is. And they will bow the knee and they will confess, but it's too late. I'm here to tell you, you better do it now before it's too late. You see, he just inhabits the praise of his people. During the good times, yes. And like I read early in the, in the service, the bad times, the hard times. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. And in verse 17 it says this, And he is before all things, and in all things hold together because of Jesus. All things hold together. Why hasn't that meteor slammed into the earth? (laughs) Why hasn't Jupiter come and smashed us like a peanut? All things hold together because of Jesus. He is in control of the universe. The big things and and the small things. You see, one of the smallest cells in our body is known as a laminin cell. We've talked about this before, the laminin cell. And when you look at it through a microscope, it is one of the smallest cells in your body. But it is one of the smallest cells of the body, but it, it, it holds the body together. It holds the cells together. It holds the muscles to the bones together. It is the thing that keeps us from going out there. Okay? And it is in the shape, when you look at it in a microscope, it's in the shape of a cross. Jesus, even the smallest, minute cell in the body of a human, is in the form of a cross. He holds the body together. You look out in the universe, way out there, as far as the Hubble telescope can go. And they say, really strain to get that Hubble way out there, thousands of light years away. In the very darkness of the universe, where no man has ever seen, except through the telescope. You know what sits out there? Thousands of light years out there. There is an image that the Hubble telescope picked up in the vastness of the universe. And he picked up this image, and this image was 
in the form of a cross. You see, he holds the smallest things together of the human body. He holds the universe together. And as they looked at that and they saw a cross out in the darkness of the universe. What does that tell us? It speaks that Jesus is the control of it all. The smallest and the biggest and the vastness. He is in control of it all. Why would you ever want to add anything to the power of Jesus? I just don't know. You see, that's not a coincidence that that laminin cell is in the form of a cross. That's not a coincidence that that finally God allowed us to be able to see that far into the universe, to see a cross that's out there. That's not a coincidence. That's God saying, hey, I'm in control. It's time for you to now see what's really out there. And when we look at it, we see a cross. From verses 12 through 17, we get a picture of who Jesus is. Five short verses. And Paul packs these five verses with a ton of stuff. And he's talking about Jesus, the Son of God. He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about the Alpha and the Omega. He is talking about the one who died for you so that you could have eternal life. And he says, you know, you know what, you know what God has done for you guys through his son? He said, he's qualified you and me to have an inheritance in heaven that is unblemished and undefiled, that's been reserved for you and is protected by the power of God. That's what God has done for man. God has, through his son, has has taken you from the sin, the domain of sin and darkness and put you into the light so you can stay in the light forever. You see, God has, through his son Jesus, has forgiven your sins forgiven your sins and cleansed you from all unrighteousness that ought to make you feel good because <laughs> if not you're not going to get to heaven if that's not the case and then he goes on to say and it's just going to kind of go back to what we talked about today Jesus that invisible image of holy God that we get to be able to see who God is through his son Jesus the God of the universe has spoke it all into existence. We get to see a picture of who God is through His Son. That's not bad stuff. We get to see that He is the firstborn of creation. He is the supreme character of this world. <laughs> there is none greater. And we get to see that He created all things. And He holds all things together nobody can do that except him (laughs) and Paul would say and I think I'll say the same thing why would you as as a person and people why would you ever want to pursue something that is not true something that is false why would you ever want to add to Jesus when you don't have to Why would you ever want to listen to some of that garbage that that Jesus is not the way, the truth, and the life? But there's there's more to it. Why would you ever want to do that? And I'm going to ask you guys the same question. Why would you ever do that? Jesus is enough. He is sufficient. He is uno numero uno in our world. Okay, I think that's Spanish. I think. (laughs) That's Don Spanish. (laughs) 
He is supreme. He is preeminent. He is superior to everyone, everything out there. Do you know him? Do you know him? That's my question. Do you know Have you ever, in a, in a period of time in your life, have you ever given your heart and life to him? I hope you have. I hope he is your Lord. And I hope he's your Savior. See, there's a difference. He can save you. He wants to save you. But when he saved you, did you make him Lord of your life? I mean, he's, he's number one in the universe. Is he number one in your life? I mean, that's pretty important that he's number one, that he is Lord. He is superior. He is none greater in your life. And he wants to be that in your life. Do you know him today? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to encourage you as we begin our invitation time that if you have never met this, this Savior, this Jesus, who is the exact image of the invisible God, if you've never met him, if you've never met the one who created it all or who holds it all together, if you've never met him, you never accepted him, I, I, I would urge you to do that today. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day the Bible says for salvation. Do you know the Jesus that we've talked about today? If you don't, come up here and I'll, I'll, I'll share some more with you. There's some more stuff I'll tell you about the one who died for you so that you could have eternal salvation. I would urge you to make him Lord and Savior today. Come accept him today if you haven't done that. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, we'll begin our invitation time. Piano be playing. That conviction, that thing that you feel inside of you right now, that is conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants you to do something, and that something is to come to Jesus today. Come to Him today. Don't put Him off. Don't quench that spirit. Come today if you've never accepted Him as Lord and Savior. Today is the day. Don't put it off. It'll be easier next week to put Him off again. And eventually, one of these days, you won't even have the conviction that you need to come to the Lord. Piano play, you do business with our God and our Savior. Do you know him today? (laughs) 